Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where tour players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every week as he talks with the greats of the game. You are the smartest guy I've spoken to on radio or television in my career. And Chris, again, you are, you're knocking out of the park. You're like eight under par in this interview. By having any research, I'm hiring your tail to be the research man. You're the best. You're a fantastic host and tremendously respected in the golf community. Yeah, Chris, you do an amazing job and your listeners are super lucky to have you and it's always my pleasure. Chris Carroll is the king of the golf podcast. Don't miss him on Tuesdays. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and thank you for joining me this week on Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and I want to start off the show by thanking all of you for making Next on the T the number one golf podcast on Good Pods. Early last week, the show had jumped up to number two on their charts, and by Friday, the show reached number one. So thank all of you so much. Your support is just fantastic. I can't thank you all enough. What a wonderful thing to see, and I appreciate it. Okay, on to this week's show, which is a special Ladies' Night Out edition of Next on the T, because I've got three fantastic ladies that I can't wait to share with you tonight. First up is going to be one of Golf Magazine's top 100 teachers in America, Kelly Stenzel. Kelly's tips can be found out on her website, kellystenzelgolf.com, and her spelling of her first name is K-E-L-L-I-E, so kellystenzelgolf.com. Plus, you can find them in Golf Magazine and out on YouTube. We're going to get a lot of tips tonight from her that are going to help us from tea to green. Really looking forward to having her back as part of the show. She'll join me here in just a few minutes. Following Kelly will be Hannah Liner. She'll be making her next on the tea debut. Hannah is the co-star of Golf Nation's new show, Three Courses. I had her co-host Gabby Powell on the show just a couple of weeks ago. I want to get Hannah's perspective on the show, plus another show that she and Gabby paired up on as well called Versus. It was Bombers versus Bombshells when they faced a couple of the guys that are long drive champion. So looking forward to hearing all about that and so much more when she joins me about 25 minutes from now. And then we're going to round out this girls night out edition of the show with a long overdue return visit from eight time Canadian women's long drive champion, Lisa Longball Lucewick. Lisa is doing great things to help grow the game through her golf clinics and schools. Plus if they ever add wake surfing to the Olympics or the X games, my money is on her to bring home the gold. If you haven't seen her videos doing that, you got to go out there and check it out on her Instagram or Twitter account. She does so many great videos of her wake surfing. It's a lot of fun. She is a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to catching up with her. She'll join me a little bit later on in the hour. So we're going to have a lot of fun on this edition of Next on the Teen, as always. Thank you all so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. I want to start out like we always do, reminding you about our good friends up at the Macklemore which is a private resort located just south of Chattanooga, high atop Lookout Mountain, Georgia. It's a casual two-hour drive from Atlanta, Nashville, and Birmingham. The existing Highlands course is now ranked in the top 100 courses you can play in the United States by Golf Digest. The 18th hole, as a matter of fact, is ranked in the top 10 finishing holes in the world. A second course, the Outpost, is now under construction, which will open summer of 2024. The Outpost is another Bill Berg and Reese Jones design and features a mile and a half of dramatic cliff edge, with every inch of that edge filled with a golf hole. 
A world-class hotel, Cloudland Lookout Mountain Curio Collection by Hilton, will open spring of 2024. Both the course and the hotel have incredible views into historic Macklemore Cove, 1,200 feet below. You gotta see it to believe it, folks. Stay, dine, and play golf above the clouds at Macklemore. Go online to macklemore.com to book your stay and play package today. Now let's talk grips. I want to tell you about Lampkin grips. Every shot, as you know, has its own unique feel. The trick? Feel comfortable with each one. And comfort is built into the very DNA of Sonar Plus Black Grips. Composed of their Genesis material that provides supreme comfort and durability with their fingerprint technology creates a strong connection and unforgettable touch. The game changes from shot to shot. The feel on your hand shouldn't. Lampkin. Feel is everything. I also want to remind you about the all-new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade. If there's one thing we know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things we all want. Distance, and let's not forget, forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the Stealth 2 driver with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. To learn more about the new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade, visit them online at TaylorMadeGolf.com. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is top 100 instructor Kelly Stenzel. Let me remind you about Kelly's background. She's from Geneva, New York, which is an upstate between Buffalo and Syracuse. Kelly was the New York State Girls Amateur Champion in 1982 and the New York State Women's Amateur Champion in 1986. She played her college golf at Furman, where she led it all four years. During her senior season, she led Furman to a second-place finish in the NCAA National Championship Finals. After college, she played professionally for five years on the Futures Tour, European Tour, Asian Tour, South African Tour, and the Australia Asian Tour. Golf Magazine has named her one of their top 100 teachers in America and have done so over the last several years. Golf Digest and Golfer Women's Magazine has named her one of the top 50 best female teachers in our game. She is a PGA of America Master Professional. In 1993, she was inducted into the Geneva Sports Hall of Fame. Kelly has written several fantastic books, The Women's Guide to Golf, The Women's Guide to Consistent Golf, and The Women's Guide to Lower Scores. She is now teaching down at Boca Raton Resort and Club in Palm Beach, Florida, and I couldn't be more delighted to have her back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Kelly, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris, I'm excited to hang out with you here a little bit. And boy, oh boy, you're going way back. New York State Junior, that was a long time ago, so (laughs) kind of fun to relive it, but it feels like a million years ago. Yeah, no doubt, but I feel the same way. But look, you've you've been doing great things in the game of golf since you were a kid, so congratulations to you for all the things you accomplished, on top of which, getting inducted into the Geneva Sports Hall of Fame. What was that like for you back in 93 to go back to your hometown and get inducted into the Hall of Fame? It was, I'll tell you, it's fun. It was fun. It was really fun. Listen, I still go back to Geneva a couple times a year. My dad's still there. But the year that I was inducted, so was Ernie Banks. Wow. He, cause he played the Geneva had a farm team for the Geneva Cups. And obviously Ernie Banks probably didn't spend much time on the farm team, but he was there and could not have been much nicer. But I'm, you know, I'm still a big Geneva fan. I went back this summer for a high school reunion. Please don't ask me how many years. <laughs> and, I, and I keep in touch with a fair number of my high school friends. Ironically, I live in Palm Beach Gardens and I had a graduating high school class of just around 200 and I have about five or six classmates from my same graduating year that live kind of in my same area. So that's cool. I still have kind of a very soft 
place for my in my heart for Geneva and my dad's still there. So that's the softest place in my heart. Well, Kelly, it's, it's been a minute since I got to have you as part of the show. I think last time we talked, you were actually up in Montana doing some traveling with your son. Catch us up. What's been going on with you so far this year? Yeah, you know, the last five summers, we've been going out west. So I have just fallen in love with Wyoming and Montana. So I have the incredible privilege to go out and be a guest instructor at Shooting Star, which is a gorgeous private golf club in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And because we've been going there for a few years, it really feels like home. The members are fabulous. The staff is amazing. Ben Polland is their head professional. And I knew him actually from the Hamptons. He was, believe it or not, he was an intern at Sabonic the summer that I taught there. And now he's the head professional. So I do get to bring my son still with me and teach out there. I was out there for about two and a half weeks and then went up to Montana and did some golf schools at the Yellowstone Club with Eric Johnson, who's also a golf magazine top 100 teacher. And we had a really nice time. It was three very full days of golf schools. We were basically running three schools a day. The members really engaged and had a really nice time. And it's a beautiful place. So it out west it's pretty amazing and then we have friends that also have a wonderful ranch bob and suzanne up in northern montana in big Forks. so we went up there and had a little vacation time riding four wheelers and playing some golf with them and just kind of hanging out so it was thankfully a really wonderful summer out west again all right so you got to tell me eric johnson is one of my favorite people on the planet eric's been on this show i can't tell you how many times and getting to be up there at yellowstone which from the pictures that I've seen looks like an unbelievable piece of property to have a golf course on. So what was it like hanging out with E and then being there at Yellowstone? Well, I've known Eric for a while, but this is probably the most time I'd spent with him. I didn't realize he was so funny. I mean, he's he was actually hysterical. And I got to spend a lot of time with him, just kind of watching him teach and and vice versa. So it was fun to learn from him. You know, we do a lot of things very similarly. But we do a few things a little different. So we just had a really nice time. And the members were just fabulous. And it, But it was pretty, you know, intense days. We ran a golf school from 9 to 12. We had lunch with the students, a school from 12 to, oh, sorry, from 1 to 4. And then we went right into a playing school from 4 to about 6.30 and then kind of drinks and appetizers with the students. So he worked us pretty hard. And uh, we also had Carly Schneider there. She's a director of instruction down in Cabo, Mexico. So the three of us, we had a really, really nice time. And Eric was a wonderful host, as was the um, head professional, Drew Glover, who was also super nice. Good for those members. I'm jealous as heck. Yeah, we they they're good. They were good students, good listeners. We had a really nice time. I'm hoping to get invited back. I'm sure you <laughs> That's will. That's the goal. <laughs> Kelly, congrats on your streak of consecutive years being named one of the top 100 teachers in America. What does that designation mean to you when you receive that every year? You know, it when I first was told that I was included in the list, I actually didn't believe it. I was kind of in shock because it was always a dream of mine. When I taught at Atlantic, Jeff Warren came up and taught with me. And at the time, he was a golf magazine top 100 teacher. And to me, that was like the ultimate goal. So it was always kind of a would have been a dream of mine had it come true, which when I found out that it did, it was just I'm still a bit over the moon on it. 
but it's different now because um, I look at it as a bit of a responsibility to continue to learn and continue to grow. So it's um, a dream to be on the list, but it, I also take it very seriously that I need to keep up and keep learning and keep doing good things so that I can continue to be on the list because 100 is not a lot, whether it's teachers or golf courses or anything like that. I just feel a big responsibility to golf magazine and to golf.com to continue to be my best, but also to my students that, you know, I've, I have the luxury of being around a lot of great teachers and I want to really continue to learn from them and take that back and share that with my students. And PGA Master Professional is also something that is very rare. There's not a lot of people that have that designation. Talk about what that means and how to get it. No, there's not a lot. And there's really not a lot of women. I mean, the the PGA has a luncheon every year at the merchandise show for the Master Professionals. And obviously, everybody doesn't come. But I would say the room probably has about 60 or 70. It would be interesting to know how many there are in total. You know, it was... It was one of those things when I did it, I don't think I realized how much work it was because you have to go through the certified professional program first, which is basically almost like an online college course. And I got um, certified in instruction and it was really time consuming. I did it kind of over a summer. And then to become a master professional, you basically have to kind of prepare a, a thesis and a report and give that in front of a committee. So I did mine on one of my books. So I didn't actually have to write the book, but I still had to prepare like a pretty lengthy um, presentation. I had to give live lessons. And it was kind of funny because my committee were were two people that I knew pretty well. One is that I Bargwin from Duke and he was my mentor. So he was super helpful and, you know, was guiding me kind of through the process. And then the other one, I actually won't say the name, but it was somebody that I had taught with before. And they kind of grilled me. They were like, try, <laughs> they were like, almost like trying to find some inconsistencies in my book. And they kind of grilled me and I made it through it. But I remember thinking, wow, that was a little tougher than I thought it would be. So they did make me earn it, but I'm, I'm glad that I did it in hindsight. And I'm very proud of it. Kelly, I want to go back in your career. We, we talked about, you know, high school and junior days. I want to get back into your college days. First of all, Furman women's golf is a tremendous history, especially on the women's side. So many great players have come out of there. Obviously, you played there. Betsy King played there. Beth Daniel, Dottie Mockery, Dottie Pepper, Cindy Davis, who was a former president of Nike Golf, all alumni from coming out of that program. What does that, when you look back at the, at your college days and, and who are the players that that program has turned out, that's got to give you a lot of pride. Yeah, it's interesting because Furman's small. Furman's only around 3,000 students. And, you know, when I looked at schools, I was definitely targeting the Carolinas. But what I loved about Furman initially was just it's so strong academically. Because as I got there as a freshman, I wasn't, wasn't that good, to be honest with you. Not that I was ever that good. But, you know, I went there and I had a spot on the team, but I didn't have any scholarship. And when I got there, Cindy Davis was there. She was a senior. And Cindy is very, very nice, but obviously very impressive. And as she graduated firm in my freshman year, she had a choice whether to play and she was good. She finished extremely well in NCAAs, but she decided to go to business school. 
and obviously, you know, had an incredible career, you know, with not only Nike, but she was with Nancy Lopez. She was also with Arnold Palmer. So she, you know, and that was kind of the beauty of Furman. It was, it was so academic. So you did get a really good education. And then, you know, Beth, Daniel and Betsy King were both there before me, but are big supporters of the program. So I uh, will run into Beth down here in, in Palm Beach once in a while. And then I played four years of golf with Dottie. But we also grew up in Western New York. But there were just tons of other really good players. Like I played with Kathy Hart, uh, Maggie Will. You know, we just had a lot, you know, a lot of really good players. But I also think that it was just such a great school that we weren't there just for golf. We were all there also for like good educations. And in the case with a lot of us where professional golf didn't work out, you know, we ended up leaving with a wonderful degree from a nice school. You're really underselling how good a player you were in college. You had a really good finish in the 1987 National Championship, as did Dottie Mockery. What do you remember about playing some really great golf on that stage and helping bring home a second-place finish in the National Championship? It's funny you say that, because I remember I played okay, but I don't remember. I don't. It doesn't really sit in my memory as, like, I played really well. It, we We very easily could have won. And we got a really bad break on the last day on the last hole where the team that won that one of their players, I had already, I had, I had finished. I think I had already finished and she sculled this chip. I can still tell you her name, but I won't. She sculled this chip. The damn thing hits the middle of the pin and goes straight down into the hole. Wow. We lost by one shot. So, you know, I think. It was a little bit of heartbreaking not to win because we really could have. But it's funny because I had my my second place NCAA trophy and I had it kind of in the garage. And my husband was going through the garage and he said, what's this? And he's like, you should have this out. He's like, this is kind of a big deal. So I think maybe I need to take your advice, Chris, and maybe switch <laughs> the narrative a little bit. And, and, you know, listen, we're very proud of finishing second in the nation. and. You know, Furman was really great to us when we went back because we had four seniors and we missed our graduation. So John Johns, who was the president of the university, he had a private graduation for us, which was very nice. That is nice. Yeah, but we would have liked to have won. It was it was so close. Did, I can only imagine the swing of emotion when you saw that shot. Look, we've all sculled shots across the green. We know what it feels and looks like. And we know when our playing partners are watching us, they know what it looks and feels like. For a second, you had to think, we got this, as that ball is going to go shooting across the green, and then at 180, when it hits that flag and goes in. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, it was, um, you know, but I guess you're right. I, I'm generally like a super positive person, so I need to switch my narrative a little bit. Finish second in the nation for a 3,000-student school. That was pretty darn good. Not bad. Kelly, I want to get some playing lessons from you, and we certainly talk short game a lot on this show. And you did an article titled 10 Steps to Become the Ultimate Chipper. Do you mind sharing some some tips with us for what can make us the ultimate chipper? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have the fortune of writing a top 10 article on golf.com every week, which I do share on my Instagram and my and my Facebooks. But it's fun because I love the idea of helping people that I might not actually see in person. 
So when I when I think when it comes to like instruction and and being a better golfer and scoring lower, and it comes to short game, I just think even the terminology is really confusing. So one of the things that I always start with in short game is a order of priority for your shot selection. One would be putt whenever you can putt. Two is chip when you can't putt. And three is pitch only when you have to. So I might start with kind of like a definition of a chip because I think the terminology is incredibly confusing. So a chip is a stroke motion. It's much like putting where your ball flight is going to be a little bit lower so that there's a greater percentage of roll than carry. And the stroke should look just like a putt, which makes it really, really user-friendly. Because if you miss it a little bit, it's never such a big big motion that the ball would go flying across the green. But I, what I'd love for your audience to understand is, number one, setting up really well into good posture where you can get your arms to hang so your hands are right below your shoulders. You know, I like to see, you know, that look for posture because I think arms that hang can swing and can return to the same location. And what you're seeing with more modern chipping is you're seeing a relatively centered ball position. Kind of old chipping might have been ball back. But with these very tight fairways these days, if your ball gets too far back and you lean the shaft too far forward, that excessive lean can cause the club to dig and get stuck. And then once you do that a couple of times, you're going to start to kind of try to save it and, you know, pull it and start to skull it. So you can get stuck in a bit of a vicious cycle. But one of my kind of favorite suggestions for chipping is to make sure that your sternum and your head are slightly target side of the ball. And what that does is that presets the impact so that the club will hit the ground after the ball. Like proper contact is the club, it's the ball on the way down and then contacts the ground. But what I want golfers to understand is the club is going to tend to want to hit the ground where your head is. So if once you set up good posture, ball centered, and you just kind of lean your upper body and your sternum and your head target side, the club will automatically hit the ground in the right place. So you don't have to be fearful of really being willing to let that club dig a little bit, like you should be kicking up a little bit of dirt. So for me, it's it's like presetting the impact when I get my upper body forward so that I kind of consider it like an insurance that when I do hit the ground, it'll hit the ground in the right place. When we're chipping and we're right around the green, talk to me about where my feet position should be. Am I, am I, am I close? Am I my feet touching? Are they just barely apart? Am I open stance? Am I square to the target? Talk to me about that piece of setup. Yeah, good, really good question. You know, and I think that is part of the evolution of short game and chipping. You know, if you're going to be making a smaller stroke, which chipping should be, you do want to make a smaller setup. So I like to see golfers with their hands relatively low on their grip. So they're making that club more like the length of their putter. And I also like to see the stance quite narrow. I like to see the feet at the heels about a club head width apart. And I like to see the stance pretty square. Because the ball is pretty centered and we're not moving the ball position back, which tends to close the shoulders. You know, you'd see that in the good old days where golfers would maybe even get the chipping yips playing the ball too far back. You know, everything can be really square because when the club is centered, all your body lines are going to tend to run, run very parallel. Switching gears a little bit, you have a three-stroke drill that helps us with rhythm. Talk about what that is. You're so prepared. You're so good, Chris. And and congratulations to you on all your recognitions and awards. That's amazing. Thank you. That's awesome. You know, I think that 
speed forces efficiency. So one of the drills that I like to do if anybody has trouble with their rhythm and chipping is to take the setup and just swing your arms and the club back and forth without stopping three times. And ideally, you're brushing the grass both back and through. But what I see is this kind of continuous motion almost forces efficiency versus stopping, thinking, stop, start, go, where the club can get stuck or not hit the ground. So, and it, it, you know, you can do it on the golf course. You can set up, you know, get to your ball in time, set up, take three little strokes back and through without stopping, then go ahead and set up to the ball and just try to feel the rhythm of the third one. By the time you're making that third stroke, your rhythm's probably pretty good because it's been forced to be efficient to keep it moving. Kelly, one of the things that we're all doing nowadays, it seems, is we're all chasing distance. And one of the keys to getting more distance doesn't always have to be that I'm swinging out of my shoes. It can be trying to get the ball in the center of the club face. We all don't do that on a consistent basis. What are some things that we can do that can help us get it there in the center of the club face more often? Yes, that is the bigger issue that I deal with on a daily basis, not only in my own game, but on my lesson tee. You know, center face contact has so much to do with a good setup. You know, I'm super picky on golf, how how students hold their club, their grip. Because if their grip is correct for them, the club will try to come in nice and square and straight. And it's much easier at the middle of a square club face. If it's open or closed, the heel or the toe can lead. And that's going to lead to not hitting the center of the face. Also, I'm a pretty picky on posture. I like to see bent from the hips, hands hanging right below the shoulders. Because as I mentioned in chipping, your arms will return to where they hang. So I ideally believe that if your setup is good, that little golf ball will try to get in the way. And then a very simple drill, and I was actually doing this with my son the other day. He was hitting it a little bit toward the toe. If you just put the ball on the ground and you put a golf tee on either side of the ball and try to avoid catching those tees, you know, that's going to give you feedback as to, you know, if you're catching the tee that's closer to you, obviously you'd be hitting the toe. And if you're catching the tee that's farther from you, you might be hitting toward the heel. But that might be enough feedback for you to either make a little setup adjustment or even, you know, a slight, slight swing adjustment. But that's a nice simple drill that I think works across the gamut with all shots in golf, putting, chipping, pitching, full swing, just simple two tees on either side of the ball and just try to avoid those outside tees. Another drill I saw you do a video on that can help us with squaring up, squaring up the club face is actually a baseball swing. And I'd never thought about that, but talk about how a baseball swing and keeping that parallel to the ground can help us get that club face square. Yeah, that baseball swing drill does a lot. You know, when a golfer is in good posture and they're kind of balanced in their feet, you know, toes to heels, it's a nice balance. It's much easier to make a backswing that curves so that the upper body can rotate so you can get some depth in the backswing. You know, unfortunately, a lot of golfers will tend to get a little bit too much in their heels, a little bit too squatty. And if your weight's in your heels and you try to make that kind of lower rounded backswing where there is some rotation and some depth, that can pull you off balance if your posture isn't correct. So if, if I'm fixing, fixing a posture, then a lot of times I can then go in and kind of fix swing plane. So the drill is to take any club and just kind of stand, stand straight up and down and just put the club pointing straight in front of you and then just make some swings and it's going to feel more baseballish. It's going to be, you know, I want it to stay ideally the shaft staying dead parallel to the ground. But if you've been a golfer who's been a lifter and you tend to get steep, you'll see that club shaft start to elevate on one side or the other. 
So just learning to kind of keep that shaft more level and let that kind of lower, more rounded motion, let your, let it react in your upper body. You know, if I'm taking it, if I've always been a lifter and I go straight up, that effort to keep that club shaft parallel to the ground will help you to feel kind of a flatter, more rounded uh, swing path, which will certainly produce a lot more power. Kelly, one thing that I see some of my playing partners do is, you know, we'll be driving up to the golf ball. They'll get out. They'll they'll shoot the pin to see how what the yardage is. They'll go back. They'll make their club selection. They get up to the ball. They may, you know, get their stance, get their aim, and boom, away they go. They don't take a practice swing, and I think that's a mistake. And I saw actually in in some of your tips, you think it's a mistake too. Talk about why. Yeah. No. Listen, I don't have the time to hit golf balls every day, all day long. So anybody that's, you know, not a pro and is not practicing full time, when you're on the golf course, you are constantly changing lengths of clubs. You're going from a driver to an iron or maybe a driver to a fairway wood or a hybrid. And the lengths of these clubs are all very different. So you need to give your body a chance to get used to that length club hitting the ground. And also like short game, like if I'm pitching, I've got to be really good at controlling my distance by changing my swing length. And I don't want to be over the golf ball thinking, you know, I think a practice swing is a great opportunity to take your thoughts and put them into a feel and then just step up to the ball and repeat. Kelly, you mentioned grip a moment ago. Um, One of the things that obviously is is a big key for all of us is making sure that our grip is right. But you have a tip for helping those of us that slice the golf ball that can maybe help us stop slicing it forever. And it starts with the grip. And within that tip, you mentioned that if you're wearing a hole in your glove, you're probably gripping it wrong. And I know a lot of people that end up with holes in their gloves, typically in in a thumb or in a pinky or maybe even down towards the bottom of the palm. But talk about why that's an indicator that we're probably gripping the golf club wrong. You know, it's interesting because I like to kind of watch the social media feeds on golf instruction and everybody thinks they're, you know, a pro. So you got to be super careful kind of what you're listening to, because I love to like see the comments. And unfortunately, you know, 90% of them are even maybe more are wrong. So, you know, like if you're wearing a hole in your glove, it's not that you're holding it too tight, because if you're wearing a hole in a glove, there is motion, there's movement, there's friction causing that hole. So I think what's really not intuitive about how we hold a golf club is we should really hold it in the fingers, like that crease between the base of the palm and your fingers, like that's where that club should sit. And then that fatty part of kind of the top of your hand, that's the heel pad that should rest on top of the club. And so you're not squeezing, you're not holding the heel pad and the fingers. There's a lever system that holds the club in place. So you don't have to squeeze at all. And when you first, when a golfer first does this, it feels really weird because the club just stays in place. You don't have to squeeze it and hold it in place. So, you know, that getting that heel pad on top at first feels really funny. Nobody loves it, but it does so many good things. It squares the face. It allows the club head to release so you can get more speed and power. And especially for women or seniors, you have to be in the fingers enough to be able to use your wrist. Because if you're not using your wrist, you're probably not strong enough otherwise to kind of fake speed, you know. So that lead hand grip position in the fingers 
may feel terrible, but boy, oh boy, does it pay off in distance and power. Kelly, just a couple more before I let you go. And you mentioned feeling funny. And something else you mentioned in your lesson tips is believing in the process. I've got a buddy who's a terrible golfer, and I keep telling him he needs to take lessons. And he says, hey, I play worse when I take lessons. And I tell him that's because you do everything wrong. It's going to feel different when you take a lesson and when you're making changes in your swing. It's going to feel odd. It's going to feel funny. But you got to believe in the process. And it's going to take a while when you're changing a swing habit or a, a swing plane, that sort of thing. Talk about making sure we believe in the process, even if it feels funny to us. Yeah, you know, I I will, but I also really think that if you are with the right teacher, they should be able to change your ball flight really fast. Like I worked in golf schools for Mike Adams, and because we had so many students coming through so quickly, you get really good at cause and effect. I mean, a good teacher should be able to improve your ball flight within 10 swings. Now, if you're a slicer and you hook it, the teacher's probably back there clapping and thrilled. We love the opposite mistake because we're certain now we're working on the right thing. So you do have to make peace with a different miss. But boy, oh boy, you are you should be able to change your ball flight really, really quickly. But I'll give you an example. So I was, and I'll use myself, I wasn't putting as well as I wanted to. And I just decided to try left hand low one day and it felt a little funny, but I was putting better. So I just kind of stayed with it and I wasn't playing a ton then, but a little bit. It took about two years for that to be a full habit where when I went to teach and I wouldn't show left hand low as a starting point, I had to really think about putting my hands in a more traditional position to actually show it as a demonstrating instructor. So it does take a lot of time to make it a habit, but with a little bit of attention on the right fundamental, you should you should see improvement really quickly. And if your friend's not getting better, um, they're either not listening or if we need to suggest a different instructor, I'm happy to help him. <laughs> I appreciate that very much, but I'm sure he's not listening. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I have one. I have one of those in my family. I understand. <laughs> Kelly, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing and follow you on your website and over social media as well. Yeah, that'd be great. I have a website, kellystenzelgolf.com. It's Kelly with an IE and then Kelly Stenzel Golf on Instagram. And I'm always kind of posting, you know, my articles and all that. And I'm down in South Florida for the winter. So if anybody wants to come down to beautiful Palm Beach, I'd love to have you come and bring a group of friends and we'll make golf games better. There you go. Kelly, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show again tonight. You're always fantastic, and I always enjoy getting to spend time with you. I hope we get that privilege again soon. Yeah, thanks, Chris. You're a rock star. And once again, congrats on all your awards. You guys are doing special things, and I think that's amazing. So you've earned that. Well, I appreciate that very much. Kelly, all the best to you and your family. We'll catch up again soon. Thanks, Chris. Have a nice, a nice rest of your day. Thanks. See you, Kelly. That is the great Kelly Stenzel. And at Kelly Stenzel Golf is where you're going to find her on Instagram. And KellyStenzelGolf.com is the website. She's got so many great playing lessons available for you in both places. And as you heard during the course of this interview, and if you go back and, and look at the several other times that I've been blessed to have her as part of the show, tonight was the sixth time she's joined me. She's just one one of the most wonderful people you'll get to meet in this game or anywhere on the planet for that matter. And it's uh it's kind of ironic that she and Eric Johnson would hook up together 
to do some golf schools because they are two of my favorite people. I imagine uh, those uh, members were incredibly lucky to get to spend a day with both of them. Um, I can't thank Kelly enough for all the things that she has done for for this show, for growing the game, and uh, just uh, making our game a better place to be through her teaching and through her personality. I really look forward to catching up with her again really soon. Coming up next is going to be one of the bright young stars in our game and the co-star of the show, Three Courses, and that's Hannah Liner. Before I get to Hannah, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year, and I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say. An average player... I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if I, you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a, a 58. There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX full face wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show. And that's me and my golf. And how does a 45-day free trial to Arco sound? Well, me and my golf have partnered with Arco's and are offering 14 free sensors and a 45-day free trial to Arco's Caddy. When you purchase any training aid on shop.meandmygolf.com. This is a limited time offer, so don't miss out. Again, go online to shop.meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection, sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabrics. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms. Made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50-plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part? You can head to construct.com and that's C-O-N-X-S-T-R-U-C-T dot com and use code Chris for 20% off the green collection today. Now making her next on the T debut with me is Hannah Liner. Hannah is the co-star of the new Golf Nation Series 3 courses. I had her co-host and former Florida International University teammate Gabby Powell on me with just a couple of weeks ago. Hannah has also been a content producer for the Honda Classic and Valspar Championship. She's also the co-founder of an organization called Forward Tees, which looks to help advance career opportunities for women in the game of golf. Hannah is one of the people making the game more fun to play and more entertaining to watch, and I couldn't be more excited to have her with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Hannah, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Doing awesome. Excited to be on the show tonight. I appreciate that very much. Hannah, as I was doing my research on you and read your LinkedIn bio where you said you've been a part of a team since you were six years old, what sports or what teams were you a part of growing up? So may not consider this a team sport, but I was on a dance team. So I used to do competitive dancing for 12 years of my life, the first 12 years of my life. And then I transitioned into golf. But I really started playing golf when I was like around four or five. My dad put a club in my hand for the first time, but I didn't start taking it serious until I was 12. So was it at that age that you decided that golf was where you wanted to focus your attention or did you need a little more convincing? 
I definitely needed more convincing. Um, I wouldn't really say convincing, but my dad kind of was like, yeah, dance isn't going to pay for your college education and neither am I. So <laughs> you better get a scholarship. <laughs> wow. So, but no, in all seriousness. Um, yeah, I just, I won my first golf tournament I ever played in. So that helped a lot. Is that right? Yes, I did. And it, I kind of like fell in love with the game after that. So you got to help me with that. And I, and I said this with Gabby because she took up the game a little bit later on in, in her right. teens. But it usually takes most of us 10 years just to get bad at the game. How did yeah. you end up winning your very first tournament? Yeah, no, I just, my dad, I would say like I could pick golf up pretty easily and I had like a gift. I don't know. That's what, that's his words, not mine. But, <laughs> but no, uh, I just, I, I just had like, I would go out and play with my dad all the time and he was, he was decent at the time too. And I just started beating him at like 12 years old. So for wow. me, I just kind of like took off. Yeah. I, it was just, it came naturally to me. You're originally from Miami. Is that uh, why you chose to play your college golf at Florida International so you could stay close to home? Yes, definitely. You were such a great athlete, and obviously, like you just said, you you won your first tournament that you ever played in, so I'm sure you captured the attention of other schools. Who were some of the other colleges that were knocking on your door? Well, originally, I was actually committed to the University of Miami. Um, I committed my freshman year of high school, and I was committed there for three years, and uh, like about a week before signing day, um, it just didn't work out. And I kind of was looking for other schools that were still taking, um, you know, golf scholarships. And F I knew I wanted to stay in Miami. So FIU was the place to go. World Golf Hall of Famer Pat Bradley is an FIU alumni as well. And there's a tournament named in her honor that gets played yes. every year. Did you ever get a chance to to meet Pat Bradley or pick her brain? I did. And she was one of the nicest people I've ever met. She was so nice, so encouraging, positive. I mean, we were, I remember one of, I, I think it was actually the Pat Bradley event that we were at. She came over and watched us play and um, yeah. And she, she just talked to us and gave us advice. It was awesome. The Johnny Imes Invitational was an event that you had success at consistently during your college career. What was it about? Was it the tournament? Was it the course? Something about that brought out the best in you. What was it? I think um, uh, I would say it was a little bit of both. I mean, I love I love a great scoring type of course. Um, I, I would say my strong suit is my driver and my putter. Um, or like you could say, you could consider my short game. Um, but I just, if I could get it down the middle, it would be a lot easier to get it closer and then I could make the putt. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I, I would say the greens were rolling nice and it was, it was a good putting day. You mentioned your strong suit and one of that being the driver. You're pretty tall. You're five foot 11. And yes. has that been an advantage for you to help you generate more power and speed in your golf swing over some of your peers? Absolutely. Uh, growing up, I 
I mean, growing up, I when I was 12, I had to be like five nine. So I, I like jumped like crazy past everyone super early. So I had my growth spurt way before anyone else. And um, so, yeah, I would say that definitely. And along with dance in my career, it helped with flexibility a lot. And like I mentioned, you and Gabby were uh, teammates at FIU. Talk about getting to be teammates and partners with her in college and now getting to do the show with her on Golf Nation. Oh, my God. I mean, Gabby's like my best friend, my business partner, my sister, my therapist, all wrapped in one. So <laughs> I think we we were both r- raised as only children. Like, she's an only child. And I mean, I have two way older half siblings. So being raised as an only child and not having siblings around me growing up, I would definitely consider Gabby to be someone that I would call a sister and to be able to have serious conversations about business with her, have conversations about like love life, about anything really about um, golf, about playing, playing with her. Like, it's just, it's great to have, I guess you would say like all in one person. Yeah. Doing the show with her, you guys will sometimes do a little wager, maybe who's buying dinner, who's buying the drinks after you play the local course. And in one of the episodes, you mentioned that you really didn't like being on the opposite side, kind of playing against her. You guys are such a great team and and you've played together uh, for so long. Does it feel odd when you guys are actually, you know, kind of wagering against one another and now now you're sort of competing with each other? Yeah, um, I would say that. Definitely. I don't like to compete against her. And I would say that she doesn't like to compete against me because we work so well together. Like as a team, I'm like, like she's long drive. She kills the ball. And then if God forbid she misses the fairway, I come in and I don't hit it as far, but I can hit it straight. So it works out. (laughs) (laughs) So we can definitely, we definitely help our strengths and weaknesses. So how did the opportunity come about for the two of you to do the three courses show? So um, basically back in, I would say um, early this year or actually last year, we met the director that runs a lot of other shows for Golf Nation. And we did some filming with him prior to this show. And it was actually called Versus. So it's on Golf Nation. You guys can check that out as well. It's, I think, one episode, but it's Gabby and I against Bobby Bradley and Eddie Fernandez, and they, which they are two long drive guys, too, and we kick their butts. So go check that out. Spoiler alert. But no, you could see our game, more of our game through um, that show as well. But we met our director and he just knew we were going to be perfect for this. So this type of thing. So he reached out to us and then it just all fell together. So you mentioned that versus show and it was actually subtitled bombers versus bombshells. Yeah. And to your point, both of those guys hit the ball a ton. Yeah. But you do compliment Gabby a lot because, you know, she's going to step up there and try to, you know, to swing out of her shoes. And you are right down the middle almost every time. And you've got a tremendous short game. I mean, really, you, you made a putt from way downtown to, to yeah. Eagle to, to win a hole. 
and then you chipped it real close to to, to kind of seal the victory. But what's it like? Because I got to imagine when the two of you are teamed up, whether it's, you know, in a tournament, you know, or whatever it's in, and you get a couple of guys that show up and go, oh, we're playing these two. Oh, OK. This oh, is going to be yeah. easy. And then you go out and smoke them. That's got to feel pretty darn good. Oh, it's my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> no, it's it's definitely so much fun. I mean, it, we actually had um, another we did like a YouTube video. And I think those guys like we, we were kind of going against two other guys. Um, two teaching professionals and uh we it was so funny because we got there and then we're in like these cute outfits you know like girly girls and then we just go up to there and hit the ball and they're like wait what like they're (laughs) completely taken off guard and we ended up i think we ended up tying which was like we needed to go back for round two, but it was it was still a fun time. We went up on them and then we lost it there a little bit, but <laughs> it was so, all fun. Yeah, but so it's got to be fun for you too, because you know, again, when you know you get paired together, we you know you guys are just gonna dominate, and you can really you, you guys can hit the ball further than most weekend warriors like I like I am. <laughs> so you know. You've got to see a lot of drop jaws that when you step up there and, and, you know, obviously Gabby with the long driving, but it's not like you're only hitting at 200 yards. I mean, you're no. putting the ball out there pretty far as well. You got right. to see a lot of guys go, Oh my God. Yeah. Gabby's about like 290, 300. I'm about like 260, 270, which is like still good. But yeah, Gabby's, if Gabby can put one down the middle 300 yards, we're set for the rest of the whole easy eagle on par five. <laughs> Indeed. Hannah, I'm here in Atlanta, and your most recent episode of Three Courses was filmed here. You played the Bobby Jones course, which is a wonderful reversible nine-hole course. What did you think about the course and the fair here in Atlanta? Oh, my gosh. It was so fun. First of all, Atlanta is, like, such a good area to, like, go out to eat, drink, food. Oh, my gosh. The food was phenomenal. The drinks. We went to this little speakeasy. You guys have to check it out because it was amazing. Um, but the Bobby Jones course was so much fun. I think it was like really unique how, you know, it was a reversible course too. I think there's not like a lot of those in the country. It's not too popular where you see that all the time. So I think it was definitely cool to film on a course like that. It was just different. When I watched the episode that you guys did in San Diego, and most of us, when we think about San Diego, we say sunny and 75 year round. But there was a shot of you sitting in the golf cart with a blanket on. Did you catch happen to catch the one winter day in San yeah. Diego? <laughs> yeah, no, it was pretty. It was pretty chilly out there. Um, Yeah, it wasn't. So my the, the day I took that picture was the day before that happened. So. Uh, the, yeah, it was pretty chilly. It was pretty chilly everywhere we went, to be honest, except for Arizona. That was like, it was just such a change in weather and climate. So, but even Atlanta was chilly too. The three questions that you ask for each city you guys travel to is where are we playing? What are we eating? And can we get a drink now? So <laughs> of the three places that you've been so far, as you mentioned, Phoenix is the other one, Phoenix, San Diego, Atlanta. What has stuck out to you about each place that you've had an opportunity to go visit? That's a great question. 
Um, I would say Atlanta was definitely the nightlife, the food, the restaurants, the drinks. Everything was kind of like had culture to it. I feel like every, you know, different meal had a meaning behind it. And even the drinks, like everything was just purposely made for that place, which I thought was really cool and detailed. Um, San Diego was just, I mean, it was just a beautiful place to see. Like it, I love the mountains. So it was beautiful to drive around the beach and the vibe was just more laid back and surfer town. And it was, it was awesome. Um, and then Arizona, Arizona, I always say this, but Phoenix is like the only other place in the country I would move to just because of golf. <laughs> is that right? Uh, yeah. So if anywhere, I thought the golf course was spectacular. It was the resort life was, I mean, amazing. Everything was just there. The restaurant was great. The pool was awesome. It was, I would say the resort life there was just so much fun. Is there going to be a fourth episode that drops anytime soon? Maybe not a fourth episode, but a second season. Yeah. When can yeah. we look forward to that? Yeah, absolutely. Do you know when that second season might come out? Um, I have to keep that a secret for now. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, talk about what you and Gabby are doing through your Forward Tees organization. Yeah, so um, we started a foundation called Forward Tees. And like you said, um, we help advance career opportunities for young women. So we have our mentorship program where we team up our junior fellows, typically from the ages of 13 to 18, that want to pursue college golf or professional golf. And we put them paired up with one of our ambassadors, typically a girl that has graduated from collegiate or plays professional golf. And we pair them up together for a one-on-one -on -one course that we have created ourselves. And it goes through um, mental health, business professionalism, for example, like what to wear to a meeting or um, an interview rather, uh, how to, it's, it basically teaches you all the different transitions and the little like knows of what to do. So um, after we have our mentorship program and once the juniors complete it, just like it's a relatively six months course, they meet once a month. Once they complete it, we provide the juniors with scholarships, whether it's to their golf careers or school um, for university. So it's been so much fun. I mean, we've gotten so much great feedback and we've had um, some of our own testimonials from our first year and they just absolutely loved the program. And like one of our young girls is best friends with her ambassador now. And it's just crazy because you pair these girls at random, like they don't know each other, right? But you think like, oh, this girl would be great with this girl. And it turns out like they're best friends and they're like the exact same person. <laughs> so it's just so fun to see them meeting for the first time, those interactions and then the growth from there. So when she goes on and graduates, she can come back and be an ambassador in a couple of years. And then we have our older like business professionals who are our fellows. And they're typically someone who has transitioned from professional golf or has a golf background and is in the business world and can share their knowledge and their experiences 
through all the different transitions in their career with us um, and our ambassadors and our junior fellows. So it's kind of like a big, I want to say like sorority, but not just limited to women. So our business professionals can be men. Like half of our board of directors is half men, half women, but typically like our, all of our ambassadors are women and all of our juniors are women. So Hannah, what else are you working on now? Right now I am, well, I just came back from vacation. Actually, I just got engaged. So ah, um, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But, um, I have a couple of fun events coming up. So give me a follow and follow along for that ride because at the end of the month, Gabby and I will be competing in a scramble event up in Myrtle Beach, which is called the social, social scramble. And, um, yeah, it'll be tons of fun because, of course, we're definitely going to win. <laughs> so, got to stick along for the ride. There you go. So, Hannah, for our listeners, how can they stay up to date with you and follow all the good things that you're doing, whether it's on social media and get more information about the foundation for those that want to reach out through that? Yes, absolutely. So, if you guys want to follow me, my username is Hannah B. Liner. And my last name is L-E-I-N-E-R. My middle name is Bianca, by the way, because a lot of people like blend it all together. It's not Hannah Bliner. It's <laughs> Hannah B. Liner. Um, and then you can follow Forward Tees at Forward Tees Golf. Hannah, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your exciting news and all the things that you're doing to come and be a part of the show. You're fantastic. I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you again soon. Yes, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chris. Take care, uh, Hannah. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Yes, you too. Bye. Bye. That is Hannah Liner. L-E-I-N-E-R is the spelling of her last name. At Hannah B. Liner, you can find her out on social media. The show is called Three Courses, and you can find that and watch it on GolfNation.com. And they are a hoot. They're a lot of fun. Both of them are incredible golfers. It is amazing to watch them hit a golf ball and how far they hit it. So that's something to marvel at. And it is fun to watch the reaction when I was watching versus and the, uh, the guy, the two guys that they were playing against being long drive artists. Those guys were even like, Oh my watching how far those girls can hit the golf ball. And then obviously they would go on to beat those two guys in that show. So again, they're a lot of fun looking forward to having them as part of this show, periodically catching up with them, looking forward to season two of three courses and seeing where they go to next. But Hannah's a, a real treat, as is Gabby. Looking forward to having them both back on the show again real soon. Coming up next is going to be one of the great ambassadors of our game and one of the great ladies that is out there doing so much to grow our game, and that is Lisa Longball-Vluswick. Before I get to Lisa, I want to remind you about two under men's performance wear. They're the unofficial underwear of the PGA and the 2020 Ryder Cup team. Ricky Fowler is their global ambassador, and over 50 other PGA, Corn Ferry, and Champions Tour players wear them. Just to mention a few, like David Toms, Jerry Kelly, Justin Thomas, William McGirt, Scott McCarron, and Chris DeMarco. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort from the tee box to the boardroom to the bedroom. Use code NEXT20 to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R dot com. Two Under, performance in your pants. 
And you walk a lot of miles in life and on the course, so make sure you're walking in the right shoes. Scone changes the game with an affordable line of the most comfortable, versatile, slip-on golf shoes that can be worn anywhere. They're made with breathable microfiber fabric, spikeless treads, and an adjustable lace lock. And they're easy to clean, too. So spend less time changing shoes and more time living in them. Visit scony.com and use code NXT on T20. So next on T20 at checkout for 20% off. That's scony.com, S-K-O-N-I.com. They're also available at golf specialty retailers and green grass pro shops nationwide. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. It's all in the hips. Just tap it in. Yes! Find the latest clubs and apparel at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. All right. Now back in next on the tee with me is Lisa Longball of Lucewick. And this is a long overdue return visit to the show. Uh, she is an eight-time Canadian long drive champion, oh, by the way, and a 15-time world long drive finalist. She is the first woman to drive the ball over 350 yards in competition. She is also a keynote speaker and golf entertainer. Plus, she's a world-class wake surfer. So whenever that becomes an Olympic sport or at the X Games, folks, put your money on Lisa Longball Vluswick to take home the gold because she's fantastic. Um, she is just one of the great people you get to meet in this game. And like I say, this is a way long overdue visit. I'm honored she is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Oh, Chris, what an awesome introduction. It's so great to hear your voice. And we get to keep up on social media all the time. But man, being here with you and getting to chat with you is just awesome. Well, I can't I say the same. I can't thank you enough for that. But I'm saying the same about you. So you're one of the bright spots in our game all the time through all the contributions that you make to our game, whether it's it's at a long drive show, whether it's at a at a pro am, it's at one of your keynote speaking addresses. Catch us up. What's been going on with you so far this year? Oh, boy. Well, it has been a crazy busy year. Um, I expanded my Lisa Longball Golf Schools. So I started golf schools. I, I noticed that I was going to corporate and charity tournaments all across North America, and 75 to 85% of the attendees were men. And I kept thinking, where are all the women? And so many women said to me, you know, they didn't feel confident or comfortable, you know, saying yes to that corporate or charity golf tournament invitation. So I started women's golf schools. And uh, so I had them in uh, Las Vegas, uh, in Phoenix, in Orlando, and I've just expanded to Palm Springs, actually. So it's been super fun meeting women from around the world. I even had a lady from Australia fly to one of my schools. So talk about that, Lisa, where we don't find enough women confident enough to participate in things that are going on in the game, whether it's a pro-am or whatever it is, even a golf school like that. Why do you think that is? Why, why don't, why do they only feel comfortable coming to an all women's event? Well, it's interesting. I think that as women, a lot of the women I've met, we don't like to do things poorly and we especially don't like to do things poorly in a work setting. So I, again, many of these ladies are golfers, but they think, Oh gosh, I don't hit it 200 yards or I can't break a hundred. So I'm not good enough. When little do they know that many of the guys I've met are so fun. They're awesome. They don't care if they cold top it, buck hook it, you know, shoot 125. It doesn't matter because that's not what those events are about. Those events are about networking and about connecting. And, and again, for, for the corporate ones, doing business. Uh, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. So we need to get more women on the golf course. And I think that they've just been worried that they didn't have the skills uh, and the confidence to say, yes, I can tee it up with the, with the guys. 
So let's take that a step further, Lisa, because one of the things that I think is unfortunate about our game is people are so self-conscious. We talk an awful lot about the mental side of the game on this show. We do a lot of negative self-talk when we're out on a golf course because we hit a poor shot or that sort of thing. But it, it, it should really be more fun and more recreational and just out. You're out in nature. You're with your friends. You're, whatever the score is, the score is. How can we do a better job of not getting so down on ourselves and put some, such high expectations on what the outcome is going to be and really just enjoy being out there playing and being with your friends? Well, I think you nailed it, Chris. You know, it comes down to expectations. And first of all, those of us that are already playing golf and we've been golfers and whether we've been golfers for a year or 42 years, however however long we've been golfing for, I think sometimes there can be a, a, a bit of kind of that quote unquote rule following. So meaning that, you know, I, a lot of women say to me, gosh, you know, I'll, I'll go out and play golf. And, and, you know, I, I get women who get upset with me if, you know, if I, if I ground my club in the sand and, and if I do this or if I do that. And, and here's my whole thought on this. If you're not competing in golf, so you don't actually need to keep an official handicap. Why? Why keep a score? I recommend for, for new golfers, whether they're juniors or, uh, you know, women, men, but on your scorecard, before you start even putting scores, just put a happy face an okay face or a sad face on your scorecard to start with. Who cares about your score? You know, and I, I tell new golfers all the time, and especially uh, women, tee it up in the fairway. And they'll be like, Lisa, that's not the rules of golf. And I say, hey, heck, are you playing in the U.S. Open next week? Don't worry about it. So if you don't need to keep an official handicap, how do we make, to your point, Chris, golf more fun? More like, And you know what's more fun? Getting the ball up in the air. And so if you're a new golfer, that's one of the hardest things to do. So I think we have two responsibilities. One, as those of us who are veteran golfers, let's be super accommodating. Let's be super encouraging to when we do get to see new golfers and bringing new golfers out and, 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 and encouraging them and not worrying about the grounding in the club in the sand or this stroke penalty or that stroke penalty. Get out, have fun, swing the club. And then the other side of it are those people coming into golf. They need to, you know, realize that most people don't care. They don't care about your swing. So you think you've cold topped it. You're so embarrassed. They don't care at all. They're just like, hey, this is my, what I find, uh, a, a few rules. Be fun and be fast. If, it, it, and, and know the basic rules and, uh, rules and etiquette. But if you are fun and you are fast and know the basic rules and etiquette, you can play with anybody. Are you seeing things loosen up as you travel around, whether it's your country there in Canada or here in the U.S.? Because I think that's been one of the knocks on our game for so many years. It's a stodgy game. There are so many rules. I got to dress a certain way. There's a rule before I even get to the golf course. And then when you get out on the golf course, there's so many rules that kind of encumbers a little bit us just going out and enjoying and having fun. But are you start starting to seeing that loosen up at all? I am. I honestly am. And I'm seeing it from all generations that, that there are so many more people who, who are more relaxed. And again, when you start to see some of the dress out there when and golf uh, apparel companies start with hoodies and joggers, you know, that's a good start, you know, seeing them out there and having fun. Um, you know, I still one day would love to see shorts being allowed to be on the PGA Tour. You know, let the guys, especially in those hot, hot days, I can't even imagine, you know, how hot it is having to wear pants and all that. Like, let, let's let's relax it. And I am seeing that more and more at golf courses, still being respectful, but but just having some of that that stodginess, as you as you refer to, just just going by the wayside. And, and we're coming. I do. I see. I see. I see lights at the end of, tu- of, the, of the tunnel there. So I couldn't agree with you more on the shorts thing. I've talked about yeah. on this show and on other shows. I mean, we all go out there and wear shorts. Right. Why do the PGA Tour players 
got to wear pants. I get it. You know, it used to be, it was a, it's a gentleman's game and, yep. you know, it's professional and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, for crying out loud, we all wear shorts when we play golf, unless exactly. it's in the winter time. Why can't those guys? To me, that doesn't take away anything, you know, of the many things that have happened on uh, in men's golf over the last 18 months or so and the whole live thing. And that one of the things that I was so happy to see live do was adopt shorts. Let the guys wear shorts. I agree. It's what they wear on the weekend. It's what they would choose to wear if they played golf with their buddies. I think they would be more comfortable. Now, obviously, they're not going to be wearing cargo shorts. I find golf shorts are really nice. I find that they, they're usually a great style and, and, and look very respectable. So I would love to see that. Lisa, as I say, you are as responsible as anybody for bringing more and more people into the game and growing our game. But do you see are men coming to you for lessons? Is there any stigma that they have about coming to a female for golf lessons? Or is that now gone? You know, a little bit. Unfortunately, you know, I I, I, I did a, a clinic for men and I had two guys show up. So it, the guys that were, they were super keen and they were in. And then I do get a lot of guys, that they, they get it. They're like, okay, Lisa, you're five foot six and three quarters and you can hit the ball the length of three and a half NFL football fields. You know, yeah, I can learn from you. And so I'll, I'll get the guys that get it, but there is still a little bit of that stigma going, oh, well, what can a girl teach me? You know, and, and again, it's not, it's not the majority, but you, I definitely, I definitely see it and it's getting better. But, uh, but the guys who do take the tips from me, you know, I did a series of instructional videos over the pandemic and I had men from across the world reach out to me and say, Lisa, I added 30 yards to my drives or, you know, uh, I stopped three putting. And, and to me, I was so thrilled to hear that. And, and that, you know, that they, they, they were excited for my instruction and that it didn't matter male, female, it's good instruction. Yes, it is good instruction. I love, I love the things that you put out there. Um, and I want to get some playing lessons from you because I know (laughs) I, for one, can use a heck of a lot of uh, coaching from you. And because you do generate so much power. When, when you are, you know, on the tee box, you, your stance is wide, but you have yeah. tremendous leg strength. Talk about the importance of our legs and what our stance should look like when I'm stepping to the tee. Oh, Chris, you nailed it. You know, if I had a dollar for every time someone said to me, Oh, Lisa, you're a longer, a, a long driver. Wow. Check out the arms. Check out the pipes. Two tickets to the gun show. You know, they, uh, they are dead wrong because I could do a thousand pushups a day. I could bench press 200 pounds, 200 times a day, and it's not going to help me hit the golf ball one yard further. The key to your point is is in the legs, legs and core. Like if you look at where are your biggest muscle groups in your body, it's your legs. So it's legs, glutes. So as we're heading into the off season, I know many places in the United States, there is no off season. You guys are lucky ducks down there that many, many states are year round golf. But in Canada, mostly other than Victoria and Vancouver, we're, we're pretty much shut down across our country. So for for those of you who do have an off season, consider doing you know lunges, squats, and of course with a with a certified trainer, um, plyometrics, and then um, anything to do with your oblique muscles. Those are your turning muscles. Uh, so kind of med ball twists, anything that can work on that um, is is going to be a huge huge part of being able to hit the golf ball longer. So you know you talk about the stance. I would say with driver slightly wider. I'm a huge fan of fanning the front foot. So as a right-handed golfer, that's your left foot. And at lefties, it's your right foot to about a 45-degree angle. That allows you to clear your hips, takes a lot of pressure off the lead knee, and allows you to use that leg strength. And again, to use that leg strength properly, if you really want to add distance, not just to your driver, but every club in your bag, you have to start the downswing with your lower body. 
So many guys, especially if they're really strong in the upper body, their very first move in the downswing is that back shoulder. The second you do that, you've lost all the coil and torque you've built up. So really focus on starting that downswing from uh, from the ground up. When you're hitting driver in that stance, are your feet shoulder width apart? Because it, it, it appears from a lot of the pictures I see of you, you're actually a little bit wider than that. Is that accurate? Yeah, no, definitely. I would say slightly wider than shoulder width, but not too wide. There's a point of diminishing return. So I would say slightly wider than shoulder width, but something you might have noticed for me, which is a little bit unique, which I don't recommend unless it's natural, that I get up on my toes. So Bubba Watson, Lexi Thompson, Laura Davies, they all kind of got up on their toes, uh, kind of exploding at, at, at impact. I do that too, but I do that as a former gymnast. So that's where all my power comes from. Um, but again, I don't teach it, but my, uh, it, one of your dear friends, uh, Paul Horton, uh, PGA Canada instructor, who is, who's my coach, he lets me do that. So he allows me to get up on my toes at impact. Um, because for me, that's using the ground forces. Lisa, one of the other things that weekend warriors like me don't do correctly is many times we are pulling into the parking lot at 7.50 for our 8 a.m. tee time. We go pay, get in the cart, and we're off to the first tee. So our bodies aren't prepared to make a fluid golf swing. What are some things we should do to warm up so we are ready to play our best? Oh, boy, Chris, it's like you've been at my golf schools. That's the very first thing I teach at any group clinic or any golf school I talk about, warm up. And I laugh about the person who comes screeching into the parking lot, you know, 10 minutes before the tee time, and you rush up to the first tee and you're wondering why you're not hitting good golf shots till the fourth or fifth hole. So a few of the stretches that I teach my students is not like my very, very favorite stretch. I like to stand feet shoulder width apart. I hold the club, I put a club into my hands uh, and I hold it about chest height. And then I twist, I keep my feet planted. I don't allow my feet to move. And I twist around my spine. That to me is one of the very best exercises you can do. It warms up your lower back, gets that lower back um, limber and allows you to get into those positions because what creates distance is the ability to create coil and torque. The other thing, you know how as golfers, we always struggle and think, gosh, you know, why did I, why can I hit such a good shot? And then I hit such a bad shot. I think as if our, our muscles are tight, which they are before a round, and you haven't loosened those up, you're going to experience that. Or if you allow those muscles to get pulled, if you haven't hit a full swing in about 15 minutes, I would definitely be doing that stretch on the golf course where you do that twisting stretch around your body. Also side stretches. Just again, when you have your feet planted on the ground, feet shoulder width apart, uh, put your arms above your head. You can put a club in your hands if you want. And then leaning to the one side and leaning to the other side. Again, getting those sides stretched out, which allows you to make it, it makes it a little easier to create that coil and torque. And the third one would be legs. You got to warm up those legs. That's where the big power source is coming from. So again, stretching those hamstrings, whether you're throwing your leg up or your foot up on a bench or a bag stand, leaning forward so that stretches your hamstring out, doing that to, to both legs. Um, just again, getting some of those leg stretches or even leg swings, some more dynamic stretching versus what you would call static stretching where you hold your stretch. Lisa, in contrast to the wide stance you have with a driver in your hands, you have a very narrow stance when you have a short iron in your hand. Talk about the contrast and how it helps us to have a more narrow stance when we've got a wedge or a scoring iron in our hand. Well, for me, I find I have more. For, I find I have my stability's better. I find that for for me that I can I, I can make my turn easier. It's a shorter club. That really it comes down to the fact that it's a shorter club. So you don't need that wider base. And I think that you'll be more accurate and more consistent. Uh, a great tip that my my coach Paul gave me is basically for my ball position. So I stand with my feet uh, together and I line up the ball in the middle of my feet. 
I simply move my lead foot, the width of a club head or about three inches and my back foot to comfort. And by just doing it to comfort, I find I pretty much get into the proper setup each time and using that ball uh, position for every single club in my bag, except driver has been a game changer for my ball striking. Lisa, do players from the tour, when you're out and about, whether it's, you know, at a golf clinic or at a pro-am or, or any other event uh, for that matter, do you find that the PGA Tour players and LPGA Tour players, do they ever come and pick your brain for, you know, hey, Lisa, what's a tip? How can I get a little more yardage? What can I do? Oh, you know, I haven't ever had anyone pick my brain, uh, but I, I have to tell you, I've been so honored by having having the, the opportunity to speak to so many PGA and LPGA Tour players. One such player was Stephen Ames. So I'm from uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and he lived here for quite some time. And uh, we were both we would both both go practice in the winter at, at this driving range with heated stalls because that's kind of what you get in Canada if you want to hit outdoors. And you know, he said to me actually, he said, "Hey Lisa, I see something in your swing." He said, "Would you mind a tip?" And and I'm thinking this guy's won the Players' Championship by a record margin. Um, yeah, I think I'll take a tip from him. And so that's what I, I find the generosity, to be honest with you, of the PGA and LPGA Tour players. So I haven't really had any. Uh, ask me for tips, but I do know that there's other players out there. For instance, like Bryson DeChambeau has asked Kyle Berkshire, picked his brain about things, and Eddie Fernandez has been asked a lot, which I, your former guest Hannah was speaking of. Um, some of the guys will definitely be chatting with the PGA Tour players, but I'm just honored uh, that when I have an opportunity to talk and work with and talk about tips uh, with uh, uh, players. Lisa, when you're doing one of your clinics, are the questions that men and women ask you relatively the same? Are we all chasing distance? Or do you find the genders ask different types of questions? Well, that's a great question. I would say, well, women in general, they are all seeking distance. So, uh, you know, the most women, I, I've heard the statistic that 80% of women can't hit it over 200 yards. So a lot of women are seeking distance. And the guys, even though many of them hit it well, guys always seem to want to hit it longer because they're always chasing that elusive 300 number or more or more or more. Um, so I, de I definitely think distance is a common theme uh, for both men and women. For men, I also get asked a lot about slicing. Okay, how do I fix my slice? And then for women, it's ball contact. A lot of women struggle with their irons and in, and also with their three wood. A lot of women say they struggle with three wood and not hitting a good three wood. And then again, just that good contact with irons. So those that would be those would be the the, the areas I hear most of from each of the genders. Okay, so now since most of us are asking about how to fix our slice, yeah, what what is a recommendation? What is a tip for how we can straighten that shot out? Awesome. Well, the, one of the first and fastest and easiest ways to fix a slice, check out your grip pressure. On a scale of one to 10, you should only be holding that grip at about a three or maybe a four. Here's the problem. If your grip is too tight and you go in slow motion and make a, a golf swing in slow motion and, and kind of over grip your club and do this, as you swing through, you'll notice your club face stays open. So when your grip pressure is too tight, it opens your club face at impact and you are going to slice it all day long. So one of the quickest fixes if it's a grip pressure issue, is I like to, as I set up over my ball, the very last thing I do right before I start my backswing is I take a deep breath out. Like just a big deep breath out. That's going to bring your shoulders down. It's going to relax your forearms, your hands. And I, I find just really thinking about trying to have loose, relaxed hands. You go ask some of the top uh, long drivers in the world, what's one of your secrets? I guarantee they'll say soft grip pressure because tension is a club head speed killer. Um, uh, you know, tight muscles aren't fast muscles, loose, supple muscles are, and it will help you hit straight. So that's tip number one for the slice. Tip number two for the slice, and I would say this happens to a, a good 80% of amateur golfers, you don't finish your golf swing. So I recommend take a video. We all have cell phone cameras nowadays. 
take a video uh, from behind and even from the side and check out to see, do you finish your golf swing? And what is a finished golf swing? In a completely finished golf swing, 100% of your weight should be on that front side. So over your front leg, the entire back sole of your back shoe should be visible. I tell my students, dirty toe. At the end of the round, the top of the back of, uh, the, of your shoe, so the toe, the big toe part on the back of your back shoe should be dirty at the end of the round because you fully finished on that side. Most people, once they hit the golf ball, they think their job is done. And so they begin to decelerate. And if you notice, if especially for, I see it with women more so, hands end up right above by their face or right above their head. If your hands are in front of your face or just above your head, you slow down way like at, at the golf ball and you're killing your distance and you are going to slice it all day long. So the two big fixes, relax the grip pressure and finish your golf swing, finish your golf swing, finish your golf swing. Lisa, you've had the opportunity to play a lot of great golf courses around the world. If I could pick you up and plop you down on a golf course anywhere in the world, where would you want it to be? Oh, that's such a tough one. There's so many great tracks out there. Um, you know what? I, I, if I had to pick one, I'd say Royal County down. You know, going down to Ireland uh, or when I went out to Ireland and having a chance to play true link style golf. And I've, I've, I've had the privilege of playing the home of golf as well. Uh, the old course at St. Andrews. Um, uh, but Royal County down, it's just it's a special place. Like I, I just I, and I enjoyed St. Andrews as well, too. But and, and, and again, at St. Andrews, you're standing on the first tee box and you know that every great golfer who has ever played the game has stood in that exact same spot. And the RNA is behind you. But I just, I just really enjoyed, uh, uh, Royal County down in terms of just the beauty and, uh, and just the, the shape of the course and, and just, I just, I loved it. So, and some of the, you know, the elevation changes and mounding and I, that's a course I could play every day and never tire of it. So Lisa, I got to ask you though, going to St. Andrews and the home of golf and to yes. your point, being able to stand on the same first tee box oh. that every great player in our game has ever stood on and, you know, bending over and putting a peg in the ground and yep. then standing over that golf ball. To me, that would be a pretty emotional thing the first time you did it. What was it like for you? Oh, it was, it was unbelievable because it, you, you, it does it. It actually, it, so I find that there's people who play golf and there's golfers. So if you are a golfer through and through, you, it will hit you. It will hit you like a wave. And it, it is, it's emotional. And you take this moment and you're looking at the RNA and you've watched the, the British Opens, of course, just referred to as the Opens, uh, that, you know, and then you, 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 you can see that tee shot that you've seen before and, and to know those greats. I, I remember just thinking to myself, you know, uh, hit a good tee shot. Like, oh, Lisa, come on, hit a good tee shot. And it looks, the ferry looks a mile wide because you share it with the 18th hole as well. But then there's Swilkin Burn up near the green. And, uh, so I, I, I remember just thinking, and my caddy, uh, it was funny because the, the links conditions are like tight lies. And so your ball can roll a long time. And when, when I hit my first ball, uh, my caddy didn't know who I was. And so when I hit my first ball, I think I hit it like 325 or something just shy of the smoke and burn. And he, his eyes looked like they were going to pop out of his head, his head. So it was so funny. Uh, <laughs> so that was really fun. And I was just so thankful. I felt like, remember Annika at Colonial when she hit that first tee shot and then her legs yeah. kind of buckled when her legs kind of buckled. That's what I felt like at the home of golf. When, uh, when I was just like, oh my gosh, thank goodness, I hit, I hit the, I hit the fairway. I hit the fairway. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point though, you know, because the, you know, of all the memories you're going to have of playing St. Andrews, you don't want the, one of the big ones to be, I topped it off the first totally. tee. I called and everyone's watching you. So right there on the first tee box and the 18th green, just general public can be walking by because it's right there in the midst of, 
of the town of St. Andrews. And so, oh my goodness. So yeah, there's always spectators, always spectators. <laughs> oh, and then of course I'm teeing it up from the medalist tees. So I wasn't teeing it up from the forward tees. And so everyone's like, oh, what's this lady doing on the medalist tees, right? <laughs> wow. Speaking of emotional things, and we're recording this show on September 12th. Last summer, you visited the September 11th Memorial. Oh. 21 years later, that had to be an emotional thing, even for a Canadian. Oh, Chris, you know, I, 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 I feel that my, I have so many incredible friends in the United States. I feel that we're, we're I feel like we're, we're countrymen. Like I do, I feel like we're neighbors. We're just really close neighbors and we're tight and you want to, you know, you, you're there for each other. And that day, I, every single person can tell you exactly where they were when they heard, heard that story or when they heard what had happened with the towers. And I had actually just won my first Canadian national title. Um, it was funny because there was a brand new plane and they, they invited everyone to come up to the cockpit. Come take a look around. Everyone come take a look throughout the flight. And I had landed and then I was actually doing a sports radio interview. So I was up at 630 uh, my time uh, in the morning and just finished a sports radio show. And I was getting ready. I was an elementary school teacher at the time. And then I had turned on the TV and you see this, you see this scene of, of, of the twin towers and, and it's just, it seemed unbelievable. It just, and then of course the second plane and, and I, I remember going to school and talking to the children there. And many of the children thought it was meant like it was a hundred planes that hit a hundred buildings because they had seen it so many times on the news. And it was just the, the, the children, the gravity of it with the children and, and explaining it. It was just, that was really emotional. And then to, as you, when I went to, as you said, to go to New York last year and to visit to, to visit that memorial, um, that first of all, that 9-11 Memorial Museum is absolutely, um, it's such a special and important place. You, you go there with reverence. You go there with reverence of all the, the, the beautiful souls that were lost. Um, and that, and they do such an incredible job of, of talking about the story and the people, um, the pictures, the pictures of the people that were there and the stairwell. There was a stairwell that, that's there that is still in its entirety in the museum that many, many lives were saved because they were able to go down this stairwell. And, and and the stories of the heroic, the firefighters and what people did to save others' lives, like it just, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's heavy, it's emotional. You can't leave there without tears. Um, but, but, to, but to see the strength of the American people and you can see that and, and how strong the United States came from that and how they just, you know, everyone came together. That's, that's what the United States is to me. And, and so having been at that memorial and then, as you said, as of yesterday, the 22nd anniversary of that horrible day, um, it was all very emotional. Lisa, switching gears. And before I let you go, you know, I got to get a hockey question in with you <laughs> and I got to get your thoughts. How about your Calgary Flames? What do you think they're going to do this upcoming season? Well, you are not going to believe it. Today, I was actually at lunch at the Calgary Flames in the Saddle Dome on the ice floor. But of course, the ice was out. Uh, it's their big uh, charity golf tournament tomorrow. So I'm actually teeing it up with Paul Horton tomorrow um, for Golf Town. And, um, I, you know, they were talking about the Flames. So we have a brand new head coach. And he said that he's going to be picking the leadership team. We actually haven't had a captain for of our team for a couple of years now. He said he is going to pick a captain and, and the whole leadership team. So I, I think we have a chance. We need to keep Lindholm. Uh, for us, I hope that he's not signed just yet. Um, but we had great additions last year of Huberto and Weger. I'm actually playing with Mackenzie Weger tomorrow, who is our wow. defenseman that we got from the Florida Panthers. And then we gave him them Kachuk. So Kachuk definitely had a good season, uh, for the Florida Panthers, but, uh, so did Weger and Huberto, uh, is, is, I, I think he's going to have a fabulous season this year. 
Speaking of Golf Town, you have free clinics coming up across Canada starting what? next Monday in Saskatoon. Talk about your partnership with Golf Town to put those on. Oh, this is such a cool experience. So uh, I was actually uh, uh, teaching a free clinic at Golf Town. So they were always so wonderful uh, to me that I would come in and if I needed to exchange a shirt or get keys or spikes or they were always so helpful with me. And so they do an annual uh, ladies day. And so I said, you know what, why don't can I, 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 why don't I come? I'll teach a clinic. And they, they thought they were so appreciative. So I was doing that. And this gentleman came to this, this ladies night and I said, Hey, I said, you didn't even put a squirt on, like just trying to have some fun and be funny. And the general manager said, Lisa, that's our marketing manager from Toronto. And I'm like, Oh, you know, uh Oh, and, uh, and so anyway, uh, at the end of the clinic, uh, he ended up reaching out to me and he said he had brought his wife to the clinic. And the next day, um, I guess his wife was begging him to take her to the driving range. And he said, Lisa, I've been trying to get my wife to golf for five years. He said, after your clinic, she was begging me to go to the range. He said, I want this in all 47 stores across Canada. So yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm heading out to Sa Saskatoon and Regina, Saskatchewan on Monday. And I'm doing Red Deer actually uh, this weekend in Edmonton. And, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go all across the country. And I've already done many stores already in Ontario and uh, British Columbia. So I, I, I want to help just help ladies, just free clinics, how to hit a golf ball longer, straighter, better. And we'll have lots of laughs. And I hand out a tip sheet to help the ladies. And my favorite thing, Chris, is when women reach back out to me after the clinic and say, oh, my gosh, Lisa, I had a career best drive or I, I, I broke 100 for the first time or whatever, whatever their milestone may be. So that to me just absolutely gets my juices flowing and, and makes me realize this is what I meant to be doing. Well, Lisa, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. Let our listeners know. How can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you, whether it's on your website or it's over social media? Perfect. Well, my website is lisalongball.com. And right on the homepage there, uh, there's a link to every single instructional video I've ever done. And it's free. So if anyone wants any tips on, on the warm-up tips that we were talking about earlier or driver tips and it's all broken down, you can go to my website for that. Um, also, I'm on social media at Twitter, uh, Instagram. Um, and that's at, at Lisa Longball and Facebook. So Lisa Longball. So again, I'm happy to connect with anyone. And if you have any questions, uh, and uh, I just love this great game. Lisa, you're fantastic. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. It has been far too long. I hope I get the privilege of catching up with you much, much sooner next time. Me too, Chris. And thank you so much for having me on the show. And Chris, I have to do a shout out to you. You do such an incredible job connecting our golf community, lifting members of our golf community up. You're always shouting members of our golf community out on social media. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you do, Chris. I appreciate that very much, Lisa. Take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you very much, Chris. I look forward to it. See you, Lisa. Thank you, Chris. Bye-bye. That is the great Lisa Longball Vluswick, folks. Can you see why she's so great for our game? Can you feel the enthusiasm in her voice? Just a wonderful ambassador for the game of golf, a fantastic teacher, and just one of the wonderful people you get to meet in this game. LisaLongball.com, at LisaLongball on Instagram and Twitter. She is, like I say, she's a treasure, and I can't thank her enough. I know she's incredibly busy coming back and being a part of the show again tonight. And again, very long since the last time she was a part of it, and shame on me for allowing time to get away without having her as part of the show. I'm going to do a much better job. We're going to get her back on the show again real soon. Folks, before I close up shop tonight, you've heard me talk about some great products that I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show. And another one that stood out to me is On Point Golf. 
game-changing three-dimensional ball markers that science shows will help us see the line better when we're putting and therefore make more putts and lower our scores. See for yourself why Jim Furyk and I are big fans by going online to onpointgolf.us. And folks, do you sway and you're off balance in your golf swing? You know what? It could be your shoes. A golf shoe needs structure to provide stability and reduce sway. How can you tell if your shoes lack structure and are hurting your game? If you can hold your shoes by the toe and heel and twist it, toss it. Squares was designed for the perfect balance of structure and comfort. Isn't it time you tried Squares? Try the new Speed Bolt at Squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z dot com. Looking for the ultimate Myrtle Beach golf experience? Well, it's only a click away. Check out the two-play special at two of America's most awarded public golf courses, Caledonia Golf and Fish Club and True Blue Golf Club. They are low-country masterpieces featuring two iconic Mike Strands designs. Play these two incredible courses for one great price. Visit CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com to learn more about the two-play special and book your tee time today. Again, that's CaledoniaGolfAndFishClub.com. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this edition of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks again. Go out to a great trio of women. Kelly Stenzel, Hannah Liner, and Lisa Longball of Lucewick for joining me this week. Scheduled to join me next week are our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick, who will be back, as will another one of Golf Magazine's top 100 teachers in America, Tim Cusick, will be here. One of the great yoga and human performance instructors out there, Catherine Roberts, will be back with us. And then we're going to round it out with a return visit from Greg Sabala from Unicor. So it's going to be a really fun show. I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with us. Folks, you can find this show available as a podcast just about anywhere you get your podcast content. In particular, we're out there on TribLive.com in my hometown of Pittsburgh. Just go to TribLive.com, click on sports, and then podcast, and you'll see next on the T available for you right there. You'll also find the show available out on Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audio Boom, and Player.fm. And again, my thanks. To the folks over at Good Pods for making this show one of their recommended podcasts. Download their free app and stream your favorite podcast on your favorite device. But most of all, my sincere thanks to all of you for being the greatest supporters in the history of podcasts. I appreciate you all so very much. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.